0: Well, good morning, guys, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kelly S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is Friday, January 26, 2024, and this is a 7 a.m. Eastern Time Vision for You meeting. Today we're reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the doctor's opinion. We're on page XXX, fifth paragraph there at the bottom. All these and many others through that one paragraph, ending with, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Comments will be on that one paragraph. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, uh, Matthew G., 12 Traditions, and P. Re- Pete B. will be reading the text. Judith S. P., reading page 164. Anne Marie M. is our backup reader today. Newcomer reader is Marge O. Announcements will be done by Kathy S. And our second hour host is Anne A. So, the reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, January 25th, 2024, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 21072. 21072. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 21073. 21073. Our OA preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer, our sole purpose. OA's tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a Vision for You big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover, through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'll now have Matthew G. read the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, Matthew.
1: Good
2: morning, Kelly. This is Matthew G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Paris, France. And these are the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 12, have a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Matthew. And now Tenzin P. will read our 12 traditions. Good morning, Tenzin.
2: Mm, good morning,
0: everyone. Tenzin
3: P. checking in from New York. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media. Well, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Tenzin. So here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. So to share, you'll press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. To have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Okay, so today we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, or in Doctor's Opinion, page XXX, fifth paragraph, all these and many others through one paragraph ending the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And comments will be on that one paragraph. And Pete B is gonna get us started. Good morning, Pete.
4: Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for your service. Really appreciate it. And everybody else who did service this morning. So my name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy and I'm in Pennsylvania. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomena of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence." You know, I'm so grateful for uh overeaters anonymous particularly a vision for you that helped me understand um the the nature of the disease of compulsive overeating you know previously in this chapter it says that any picture of an out al- of the alcoholic which leaves out the physical factor is incomplete and you know for 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 12 to 13 years I struggled with this disease in in trying to, in trying to, to recover from this disease because I could never relate the disease of compulsive overeating to the disease of alcoholism. You know, I thought my, I thought that my disease would be managed by a meal plan that I adopted, that everybody else had adopted and had different ingredients in it that would, could be tolerated in certain quantities. And I had to recognize that, you know, as I began to think about my disease and my experience, you know, alcoholics don't weigh and measure alcohol, right? And, and compulsive overeaters can't weigh and measure certain foods that cause the phenomenon of craving. You see, the previous, the previous paragraphs we, we, we wrote, they, they tend to classify alcoholics and put them into different types. And it, and it talks about different personality aspects of different people. And what I had to recognize is that none of those personality quirks, none of those inconsistencies in my character, none of that makes me a compulsive overeater. Why I eat doesn't make me a compulsive overeater. How much I eat doesn't make me a compulsive overeater. The drama, the trauma, the shame, and the blame none of that makes me a compulsive overeater. There is one symptom that we all have in common. That one symptom is that we develop this phenomena of craving, This, 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 this insistence that we must put more of that substance or substance like it in our body once we start to eat. Once we start. There's a million reasons why some of us make the decision to pick up that first fatal bite. There's a million reasons why, but there's only one reason why we continue to eat for us. And that reason is, is because we have this abnormal reaction. The word phenomena means that we know it exists, but we don't know where it comes from. There's no need to start thinking or identifying like this is the reason why, this is where the disease came from, this is the cause for my overeating. There's no cause in light of the fact and in light of our history that tells us once we start, we find we cannot stop. Thank you, and I'll pass.
0: Thanks, Pete. Thanks for getting us started. Okay, so we're now going to open up the meeting for sharing. And although we do value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So, if you shared Wednesday or Thursday on any vision meeting, please allow others the opportunity to share today. Please keep your share to three minutes to allow time for as many people as possible to share. I'll remind you when your time is up. Please give me your first name, initial of your last, and where you're calling from. Ready, go! KDG.
5: KDG from Boston.
0: Rachel K. Rachel K. Harlan G.
4: Rick
6: J. Lynn
0: F. You get sure I got you, me. Melissa. Thanks. Um, Lisa C. Lisa.
1: You Vasa O. Like?
0: Okay. Vasa O. Gotcha, Vasa. Thank My you.
7: My Massachusetts.
0: Large. Okay. Let me tell. Anne you, Marie let me Anne. Tell you who. I got you, Anne Marie. Sorry, it's, it was a lot. Let me re- let me um, read who I have, you guys. Katie G., Melissa C., Rachel K., Anne-Marie M., Harlan G., Rick J., Jen Jersey, Lisa, then get your initial, Vasa O., and Marjo. Did I miss anybody who already gave their name? All right, well, let's stop there, and uh, we'll get some more names later. So if everybody makes sure you're, you're uh, muted, star one. We'll start out with Katie G., followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Katie. Katie, star one.
5: Sorry, I'm right here. Good morning, everyone. Kate, uh, Kelly, thanks for your service. Katie, D recovered in Boston. A few things that I'd like to point out. OA defines abstinence um, in three parts. Abstinence is the action, and that's not my background noise, of refraining from addictive foods, addictive food behaviors, while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. So one thing that somebody said to me once is that this is not no flour, no sugar anonymous. It's overeaters anonymous. And so there's no such thing as abstinent food. And I hear a lot of people saying I overeat on abstinent food. I don't understand that. Right. Like I'm a compulsive overeater. Yes, I'm an anorexic and bulimic, but I'm an overeater as well. And so it's not just refraining from my abstinent foods. It's refraining from abstinent food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. And I hate to say this out loud, but I'm going to say it. If I'm 17 pounds underweight and I'm not working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight, I'm not abstinent. If I'm 17 pounds overweight and I that's not within my range and I'm not working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight, OA is telling me I'm not abstinent. So I have to look at that, right? I have to look at that. I also have to look at a distinct entity. Distinct is separate existence and an entity is a person or qualities that do not change. So I do not change. Nothing about my food addiction, about the allergy of the body is ever going to be permanently eradicated. It's never gone, right? And so, you know, I, I know that for me, and certain food behaviors that I cannot take part in, y'all might be able to, but I cannot, and that's never going to change. And what's so confusing <clears throat> is I do have a twofold illness. I have an allergy of the body, and I have an obsession of the mind. Right, and that obsession of the mind can be about anything, and I'm <clears throat> thinking over and over and over and over again. And then I have that thought. You know what, Katie? Absence, is, or uh, you know, a hot fudge Sunday is going to fix it. Another hour on the bike is going to fix it. And as soon as I put that in, food or ingredient into my body, it sets up the phenomenon of craving. One thing that blew my mind is that that makes me a distinct entity is that my phenomenon of craving starts after I take the bite. My husband craves a hot fudge Sunday, he eats it and he's satisfied. I think about I obsess about other things, the thought comes in, you know, the scale is going to fix it. I get on the scale and the phenomenon of craving starts. When I eat, I get hungry. When I exercise, I want more. And these are concepts that are so important for me to internalize because this is the only way I can get to God. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kelly.
0: Thank you, KDG. All right, next up, Melissa C. followed by Rachel K. Good morning, Melissa.
8: Hey, good morning, Kelly. Thanks so much for your service. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, um, there's no surprise that there's a lot of people who want to get in on this paragraph because um, I think, you know, this kind of says for me, like, why I'm still here. Why am I doing this? Because, um, you know, I'm different from other people. I am a distinct entity. Um, and and that piece of information, you know, I, I think it's crucial. It was something that escaped me for a really long time. I knew that I was powerless over food. I mean, I've known that all my life um, because I ate in a way and I thought about food in a way that the people around me didn't, and I could not seem to use willpower to do anything about it. So I understood being powerless and i knew that it was a problem that i could not manage i got that but i think there's another really important part to step 1 is that we're different from other people that this thing that i have is not the same as the people around me it might not even be exactly the same as the people you know who who are working this program with me too and i think i went for meetings went to meetings for many years with people who probably could moderate or who or you know, I used to say, I met a lot of people who could do the o a light program, and I couldn't do that. you know i am I like to think about it like this. I take a piece of paper and I fold it in half, and there's the whole rest of the world who can eat what they want in moderation, they can overeat on Thanksgiving and get right back on on Friday, you know, eat like a normal person on Friday. They're the people who can. You know, have an occasional cookie or have an occasional this. There are people who, you know, can walk around with resentment and anger and jealousy and they can gossip and they don't have to go to meetings. They don't have to get up and pray and meditate every morning. They can live their lives that way and they're fine. They don't need to do anything other. And then there's people like me and I require a lot of work. You know, yes, I require you know, entire abstinence. That is like unwavering. That's a given, right? I don't mess with the food. I don't overeat. I don't eat the foods that I that you know produce the phenomenon of craving. I don't eat it in a way. I don't eat food in a way that produces the phenomenon of craving. And I get that. But there's a lot of other things that I need to do, right? And I I'm on that side of the page. If I fold that paper in half. You know, I'm a person that's got an awful lot of things that I need to do in order to, you know, to live entirely abstinent and to live in a, in a state where I'm not triggering the allergy. And the greatest problem I ever have is when I think I can take my foot and step out off onto the other side of that page. And I can't, right? And And my step one understanding is that I know I can't. And today, I have a community of people who live on that side of the page with me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Melissa C.
8: All right, so next
0: up, we have Rachel Kay, followed by Anne-Marie M. Good morning, Rachel.
9: Thanks, Kelly. Hi, I'm Rachel Kay, compulsive overeater from um, Indiana. And I should probably just get on after Pete and Katie and Melissa and just say amen. <laughs> but um, But I'm going to talk anyway because um, cause what has been said, I just, I agree with wholeheartedly. Um, this paragraph, I love this paragraph because it explains to me, it makes things black and white. And I know that we're supposed to not be all or nothing, but I really relate to all or nothing things. And this is an all or nothing thing. And unfortunately, you know, I have to be completely honest with myself Am I eating compulsively or am I not? You know, there are certain foods I just can't eat at all. And the foods that I can eat, I have to weigh and measure. That's for me. And I have to commit them. And I have to be on a black and white food plan. If it's, you know, if it's what I've got on my food plan today, you know, then I'm abstinent. I'm okay. If it's not, I'm not. It makes it like drugs and alcohol. Because I've been in a lot of meetings where unfortunately, We hug each other to death. You know, compassion is wonderful, um, but compassion without honesty can kill. You know, I don't want to be easing my fellows into death by not being honest and by not saying, you know what, you know, for me, I have to, it has to be all or nothing. I have to, I have to follow this food plan that some people say, well, that's so strict you know, don't you feel like that's strict? Don't you feel deprived? Are you kidding? <laughs> deprived? Deprived of what? Deprived of the misery of wanting to kill myself day after day after day? And the word that that brings that home is relief. The doctor says, Dr. Stilcore says, the only relief we have to suggest. He doesn't say the only, like, Hard punishment that we have to suggest for these sick people is entire abstinence. No, the only relief it is relief to say i don't you know for me it's sugar it's just some other things i don't i don't even have to mess with it i don't have to you know eat it in moderation it's relief. Thank God, the only relief we have to recommend is entire abstinence. You know it is by that black and white thinking that you know sorry, can't do it. Sorry, you know, got to prepare my food. Sorry, you know, I'm going to have to call the restaurant ahead of time and find out. Sorry, I'm going to have to bug the waiter and make sure that, you know, the chef doesn't put such and such in so I can get relief, so I can get the grace of God and clear that channel so that I can be, you know, a a channel for my higher power. So anyway, that's all I got to say. Thanks. I pass.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Next up is Anne-Marie M. followed by Harlan G. Good morning, Anne-Marie.
1: Good
10: morning, Kelly. It's Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina, gratefully uh, recovered through God's grace and by working the steps in this book. Yeah, uh, permanently eradicated, boy, eradicated, destroyed completely. It has never been by any treatment with which we have are familiar permanently eradicated. I'll never get rid of this. What what Doctor Silkworth is calling an allergy. I will always have it. When I put like when I put certain substances in my mouth, I develop that craving. And I was so relieved to hear about this. Um, the first uh, opening um, reader had pointed out uh, in the in a paragraph earlier in this chapter, in our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. And when I first started coming to OA, I heard that sugar could be like a drug. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous and I could not buy into it. And then I learned about the doctor's opinion and I'm so grateful that he has helped me understand that this is an allergy, that I'm not a bad person, that I'm not just a glutton, um, <clears throat> that when I put certain substances in my mouth, that craving comes out. It's an allergy. It's rather than a rash or um, anaphylactic shock, I it causes a craving that I have no control over. And I am different than the normal eater. Um, you know, it was pointed out um you know, someone's husband, uh, you know, can crave something, and eat it, and then it's fine. You know, my husband will crave Kentucky Fried Chicken, and he'll say, "You know what? I think I'll stop by there tomorrow." You know, and and pick some up. But <laughs> when I had that obsession, obsessive thought, I I needed it now. <laughs> There's no way I was going to wait another day. Um, so that was another um, distinct. Uh, entity that, that I have. I can't wait. Once I have that obsession uh, in my mind, I've got to have it right now and, and get it. Um, but this paragraph is certainly talking about the the uh, phenomenon of craving, the allergy, and it will um, never, ever be uh, permanently eradicated. Never, ever will it be destroyed completely that I won't have this craving, I won't have this um, allergy. It's it's with me forever, and I and you know no matter how and we, we were talking I think yesterday about it doesn't matter how long I've been abstinent I will always have the physical allergy the physical part of this disease and I'll pass thanks.
0: Well thanks Anne Marie all right so next up we have Harlan G followed by Rick J. Hey Harlan. Good hey, morning Kelly
11: thank you very much for your service this morning thanks for taking the meeting. I'm not going to say anything that hasn't been said before, but I'm just going to relate my experience with this. From the time I was able to remember anything, from the time I was a little, little child, pre-kindergarten, there was something about me and people would say to me, what's wrong with you? and the thing that was prevalent is i would eat more food than anybody in my environment i was the i was the fattest kid around since as far back as i can possibly remember and i used to watch i've said this before on, on some of my podcasts different things i i have memories of five sandwich and splitting that sandwich with their hands for two or three siblings and part of the sandwich. None of them could do it. As insane as it would be to light gasoline and not expect it to catch fire, I had an expectation that if I ate certain foods that I could control the amount that I would eat and I could not. And as I watched siblings split a hamburger, I wanted the whole hamburger. I wanted two hamburgers. I wanted three hamburgers for as far back as I can possibly remember. The more I ate of certain things, I wanted. The more I wanted, the more I ate. And when I wasn't eating them, I wanted them so badly, I could not think about anything else. And then I came into Overeaters Anonymous on February 2nd, 1979. And somebody said to me that night, don't eat milk duds, you have an allergy to them. And I said, how is that possible? I'm eating many, 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 many milk duds. I don't break out in a rash. I don't get uh, sneezing. I don't have hives. And they'd say no. And then I went to a source of information on this word allergy that some of you might remember. It's called a dictionary. And I looked up this word allergy, and there were several different definitions. And I found one that fit me exactly. It said An adverse, abnormal reaction to a food, beverage, or substance. Adverse means it's harmful. Abnormal means most people don't react the way I do. Now, Melissa just gave us a scenario of a folded piece of paper, and I'm inside that folded piece of paper, but I cannot step out of it. I am one of ten. About one of ten people are compulsive overeaters. I am one of those people because I cannot eat certain foods without developing this phenomenon of craving, this allergy of the body, this adverse abnormal reaction. My reaction is harmful. My reaction is not prevalent. It is adverse and abnormal. With that, I will pass. Thank you, Kelly, and thanks, everybody, for sharing. Bye. Thanks, Harlan.
0: That's Harlan G. from Arizona. So don't forget to let us know where you're calling from, guys. And just for a minute, Rick, before you get started, I want to remind you guys where we're at. We're in the big book. Uh, We're in Doctor's Opinion, page XXX. We're in the fifth paragraph. It says, all these and many others. We're reading through that one paragraph, ending with only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence and comments on that paragraph. So we have Rick J. followed by Jim C. Rick, where are you calling from?
6: Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service. My name's Rick J. I am a covered compulsive overeater and I'm calling from North Carolina. And yes, I uh, I am part of that uh distinct
1: entity, you know,
6: that uh that differentiates me. I'm different from other people that can eat certain ingredients that I cannot. Um and it was very helpful for me uh, as a uh, compulsive eater to understand that my brain is abnormal, (laughs) abnormal, it is. There's there's nothing I can do about that, like it's already been said. That is permanent, and um, it's also progressive, and left untreated, um, it's fatal. Um, I will never, ever be able to get around a cat without having a physical reaction to it. That's just part of my world. Part of my body. Um, I will never be able to eat certain things without developing the phenomenon of craving. It's also extremely important for me to understand what those foods that trigger that uh, phenomenon are. And I did that with the help of a recovered sponsor. Um, You know, as an alcoholic, it's very, very simple for me to understand what I'm abstaining from. Alcohol. Just simple, not that it was easy, but it was very simple and straightforward um, with with food and different ingredients and behaviors um, they trigger me like it doesn't trigger other people. so if I'm going to work these twelve steps that we're going to learn about in this book, you know i'm I'm headed toward a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps now, the spiritual awakening. Will never remove the uh the physical allergy which triggers the phenomenon of craving that is permanent what I have is a spiritual awakening as a, that I maintain on a daily basis as a result of these steps that overpowers the mental obsession that leads me to the first bite that triggers the physical allergy that phenomenon of craving and That's where the uh, recovered comes from. I'm not recovered from the physical allergy. I'm recovered from the mental obsession. I have a power greater than myself that connects me to God of my understanding. And uh, I do that on a daily basis. And I'm so grateful to be here with all of you with that I passed.
0: Thank you, Rick. Next up we have Ginger C followed by Lisa. Good morning, Ginger.
12: Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service. Ginger C, a real compulsive overeater. And just so grateful to not be eating today. Thank you, God, always giving credit where it's due because I don't do this and you all know my chronic relapsing. And um, no better time to be out of the food because life is on life's terms and I think that's what's really hard. I don't like reality. And I know how to escape reality. It's the first bite. And like Harlan always shares, it's six, eight seconds, but it works. And I go back to it because life sometimes is really hard uh, to accept reality. And a week ago, yesterday, my beautiful nephew, 40 years old, took his life and his 10-year-old son found him. And it has been devastating and probably one of the hardest things my family's had to go through. And I'm just so grateful that I know the relief that I'm seeking today is to face everything and recover. Those who feel well will heal well. And our hearts are broken, but nothing's going to make it better by taking a bite of sugar and food today that numbs me and denies what I need to go through with God to get on the other side of this. And then to hopefully help the next person, because now I know what suicide is like, with a family member, it's come home in a way that it has never been before. And I know if I take again, that bite, that great lie that somehow it will help me to sustain this great pain. Now I've got two problems, right? I've got the pain of this terrible death, this tragic loss, this 10 year old little boy that's been changed forever. And I've got active addiction. It's alive. It makes me fat. It makes me depressed. It makes me want to hide under my bed. And the saddest thing is that I won't be able to be of service. I get to fly out Tuesday to Naples, Florida, and to go love my family and to give eulogy at this service. And will I be able to show up if I'm all in the food? Probably not. And I don't want my message to be anymore. 33 years sober in AA, I don't want the message to be Oh, Ginger, look at, she's eating again. She's off again. I want to say, no matter what life gives you, because life is hard, life is difficult, you will have more that will be revealed. That you can be strong with your higher power. It's always about strength and God, and you will be able to get through it. So I'm just so grateful. I've never been more grateful that God put the fork down a few days ago. Um, and I don't even count days because it's just about this minute right here now on this meeting. And with that, I pass. And I would just ask anybody that's had death and suicide with their family members, if you could reach out to me. I would love some support. And um, my number's on the phone list. It's Ginger C., Colorado. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Thank you, Ginger C. Yeah, remind us where you guys are calling from all the time because that's how we find you on this member list, which we have thousands of numbers. So. Not so important where you're sitting today, but where you're listing yourself on our Vision for You member list. So next up we have Lisa. I didn't get your initial, followed by Vasa, Vasa O. Lisa, what's the initial of your last name and where are you calling from?
13: Hi, good morning. This is Lisa, C is in cat, from New Jersey. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm really grateful um, to be here and to have, like, listened to everything. I, I, you know, don't have much to add, and I'm so glad that I was listening to everything that I heard this morning and, and this week, and just the whole doctor's opinion, um, you know, uh, just understanding that I'm never cured from this is so important. You know, um, I, I would, I was like so sick <laughs> and I am so sick. And, you know, now, um, because I'm not in denial about it and I have a connection with God and I have a plan, um, I can say that I'm sick and it doesn't bring shame and it doesn't bring denial. Um, You know, uh, I was 28 years old the first time I was pregnant and I got gestational diabetes and, um, my midwife, like put her hands on my hand and she said, do you have a history of disordered eating? And, um, and the cat was out of the bag. It was like, you know, I never wanted to class myself that way, even though I had had these bouts of anorexic eating that were really devastating and awful. Um. And, you know, I had been overweight, but, you know, I hadn't been 100 pounds overweight. So it's like I just was always, you know, confining my disease into, like, these little parameters that I set for myself so that I could feel like I wasn't as sick as I was. Um, you know, but then I would go to Pay and weigh. And, um, you know, I'd follow the plan and I'd lose some weight and then I'd raise my hand and share and I'd say, you know, has anyone else had this experience? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm within my point, whatever but then I have a bite of something sweet and then I can't stop and people would nod. And then I would say, I found that if I stay away from sugar that I do a whole lot better and people's faces would just be like a gasp, you know? And it's like, but the truth is, and I don't know if this is helpful or not, because there is, I cannot have a single bite, but, it is a drug. Sugar is a drug. It is classed as a drug. It is processed like other drugs. It is not anything at all resembling the plant that it comes from. And so for me, that's helpful because it makes it easier for me to have entire abstinence. It makes it easier for me to say, this is just like alcohol, actually. The fact that it gets mixed into other stuff, you know, um, is is kind of irrelevant. The, The ingredient is just like any other drug or alcohol. And I have to put it down completely, like, with no um, blurred lines. And, um, and I have. And it's a. I was just going to say the F word. It is a miracle. It is a miracle. And so it can happen. I mean, this is over a year of abstinence and almost a year of recovery. And you know what? It's not easy. Oh, my gosh. It's so not easy. I've done four step four inventories in the past, you know, nine months, of of step work or what you know, twelve months of step work. Um and each one it brings me to my knees and it I try to be so thorough because my attic brain says time. if I if I do it I'll finish up. If I do it well this time I won't ever have to do it again. Well gosh, that sounds a whole lot like my disease and my desire to lose the weight. Oh, if I lose the weight then I'll never have to do this again. But no, I will have to do it again. I'll probably have to do another step four in three months. That seems to be my clock. My point is that the work continues but um, I have the relief, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Lisa C. Next up, Vasa O. Followed by Marge O. Good morning, Vasa. Where are you calling from? Good Vasa?
14: morning. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive are calling from Port Charlotte, Florida. And I love this paragraph. It's so true for me. The only relief we have to su- to suggest is entire abstinence. Uh, before I came to recovery, <clears throat> excuse me from my first meeting, I did everything to control the food addiction. I measured when I would go on diets, I would measure, I would weigh, I would count calories, I would eat, I would not eat I mean I was also volume eater. I, was, I also experienced anorexia, I experienced um, bulimia, you name it, I tried everything in this everybody that I heard, and I'm hearing at this meetings, and nothing, nothing worked. And I guess I was ready to hear the message, you know. I heard, I mean, reading the doctor's opinion, I could not believe, or even hearing about food addiction, whoever thought that food, food was addiction or the sugar's addiction. I mean, I heard about other addictions, alcohol, drugs, You know, gambling, other addictions, I never thought in my life done. Although, see, I had it. I didn't even understand what it was. And finally, when I came to OA, then I said, oh, wow, now there's a name for it, you know. And I could identify with the people. And I could, nobody had to diagnose me, you know. I took an inventory of my eating behaviors and I said, oh my God. And I was so grateful to find out what the problem was. At least it's like when people have cancer, you know, or, or they are diabetic, then they need to de- take the insulin or cancer. They have to be treated. Well, my food addiction needed to be treated. So for me, the treatment was the allergy of the body, you know. And I was awful going through the withdrawals. I wanted to throw myself like a baby on the floor and cry. I want my fix. Well, I didn't know it was a drug, you know, and it is very powerful. It was very powerful for me. I mean, I can only share my experience and strength and hope with it. And to just to know, I was relieved to know that. And then my sponsor said, yep, yeah, it is an allergy of the body and it's you know, with the mental follows with the mental obsession. Well, that's what I did for many, many years. So I did have, just time me. I had the allergy from the old country, but it didn't really blossom till we came in America. I was 15 years old till 42 years old. I remember stealing candy uh, money from my father's pizza, uh, yeah, to buy candy, and I kept on going going to buy it. It made me so sick. I didn't understand it, but I do understand today, and for me, it's all being abstinent or nothing, and for me, it's all away from the sugars. Thank you for letting me share, I pass.
0: Thank you, Vasa O. Next up is Marge O., and then we'll have time for a couple more shares. Good morning, Marge. Good morning.
7: From? Walpole, Massachusetts. Thank you. And I have surrendered to this whole phenomenon that um, I, that there are certain foods that I just can't and taken, in, or I'm in trouble. And when I came here, not just here, but to Overeaters Anonymous when I say here, I had no idea. I knew I couldn't stay on a diet. I knew I could lose 50 pounds. I knew I could gain 30 pounds in two months when I quit smoking because all I did was eat. But I had no idea that if I could put certain foods aside and not include them, but also ask for help to actually have a sponsor, to go through the big book more than one time, to do my step work and to live my step work, not just talk about it, but to be able to say, I made a mistake here. I need to make an amend. I want to make an amend. Never mind need. I want to. I want to live in that space. I want to be spiritually fit. But I was so relieved, so relieved to find out that Yeah, I'm different. I always knew I was different. I have 10 kids in my family. I'm the different one. I got that tag. And part of that was about my eating, and part of that was about compulsive behaviors. And that was the mystery to me at birth. What behaviors? Oh, you mean the one where I don't eat lunch, so I don't eat till 3.30 or 4 o'clock, and then I can eat late night and call it abstinence? Oh, wasn't that cute? Oh, that didn't didn't. Uh, do any favors uh, for me or anybody else around me because I don't do well when I don't eat at a regular time and 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 space my meals accordingly. That kind of behavior, or going places when I knew I wasn't actually spiritually fit and able to handle it, but I would say, oh yeah, sure, I'll go, and then want to act as if I was some kind of mata because I just had a black coffee. Oftentimes I can do that today, but knowing the difference, knowing the difference of my behaviors and what what kind of discord it, it creates within me, and and actually practicing that and knowing that's it, this is what you know, this will what we keep keep me sane and abstinent, entirely abstinent and spiritually fit, and with that I pass and thank you very much. You're
0: Sorry, here I am. That's, thanks, Marge. Um, that was Marge O from Massachusetts. Okay, so <laughs> we are on Big Book page XXX, X, X, fifth paragraph, all these and many others. Uh, if you haven't shared in the last uh, couple days, you sh- if you haven't shared Wednesday or Thursday, we'd love to hear from you. Who'd like to share?
3: Lynn,
12: Lynn,
0: F, Tina Lynn F, S., Tina S., Christella H., Julie M. Carl. That's all I got. Uh, th- Okay, <laughs> Lynn S., Tina S., Craig, S Stella, and Julie. Uh, Craig, I doubt we'll have time for you. but All right, so if you guys can make sure you're muted, star one. We'll get started with Lynn S., followed by Tina S. Good morning, Lynn.
15: Good morning, Vision. Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. This is the answer. This is it. And I remember when I first heard it, I was in downtown Toronto, Sitting on a park bench reading this, me on one side of the park bench, a passed out drunk on the other, and I'm waiting to go to a meeting and I'm reading this and I'm going, oh my goodness, this is it. This is what's wrong with me. For years, I was 36 when I came into program. I was on diets and restricted eating probably since I was two or three because I was so fat and couldn't stop eating and people were concerned. And my whole life, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I swear I was a multiple personality. That was a big thing when in that era, that you could be multiples. And, and I swear that must have been me because you couldn't want to be thin so badly and keep eating. And all the doctors and all the psychiatrists and the weight loss surgery and everything I had done, nothing ever explained that my body reacted differently to food. And it was like heaven opened up, which I'm sure it did. And I was welcomed in because now, finally, I understood why I did what I did for all those years because my body reacts differently to certain foods and when i don't ingest those certain foods i don't set up the reaction i it's this meeting is so strong today particularly but this is the message and i love what i heard this morning alcoholics don't weigh and measure their alcohol we don't weigh and measure our foods that cause the alcoholic reaction People have said to me for 34 years, no, it doesn't the way you eat drive you nuts. Isn't it restrictive? And I thought, I could never explain the freedom to you if I talked for the next 20 years. The relief, food does not call me anymore. I have no interest in those foods. I am not white knuckling it far beyond my wildest dreams. I never thought this could be my life. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Lynn S. Next up, we have Tina S. followed by Priscilla H. Good morning, Tina. Where are you calling from?
12: Thanks so much, Kelly, for your service, Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a wonderful meeting. I wasn't going to share, but I just had to jump on. Oh, for sure, for sure. Ditto, ditto, ditto. You know, and I, too, am one of those that, you know, you know, I, I certainly am not normal in any aspect of this eating, and once I put certain alcoholic foods in my body, you know, I'm off to the races, and, and it is all about entire abstinence, but, you know, I came in here when I was 30 years old, and I'm 65, and, you know, for many years, you know, my abstinence date is 1999, so there's a big difference, um, you know, for many years, just trying to be entire Entirely absent, did not work for me. You know, I'd, I'd stay away from this food for a long period of time until I couldn't. You know, so then, you know, what I just have to, you know, share it is, you know, this entire absence
10: has
15: to be the forefront for sure. You know, to take care of that allergy, eat and
12: drink again, and that is my experience. So, you know having a transformation that comes about through the twelve steps after this entire abstinence is 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 the real deal. And with that I'll pass
1: thanks.
0: Thanks, Tina. All right, next up Priscilla H. followed by Julie. Good morning, Priscilla.
16: Thank you. Priscilla H. Grateful to be um Recovered physically, but recovering in every other way. Um, I, this is an interesting little paragraph which wh- where the doc says that the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And I wrote in my book, entire abstinence necessary, but not sufficient. It's a necessary condition for recovery for me, and and today I know that. But it's not sufficient. And what I mean by that is that entire abstinence, a food plan and a, a plan of eating and sticking with it, that's a tool. But the journey is a spiritual journey, and I did not ever fully realize that until I started getting on this meeting where we go through the big book paragraph by paragraph for the most part. And, um, and I came to recognize that it's about my relationship with the higher power of my not understanding. As I sometimes like to say, I don't have to understand that higher power, but what I do need enjoy Long for, crave, and experience is a journey every day in a conversation with, um, well, I'll use the word God because that's a simple three-letter word that people understand, but but my I think of as my BFF, my best friend forever, that I don't have to understand. I just need to have a conversation all day with my BFF. Um that's, the, that's what's really necessary, along with the food abstinence, my version of that. So thanks for letting me share, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks, Priscilla. Okay, Julie, I didn't get the initial of your last name, um, but you've got two minutes. You're up, Julie.
17: Hi, thank you. This is Julie M., Recovered in Colorado. And when I think of entire abstinence, I think of the foods that are sort of, for, for me for a long time, we're in the gray area or yellow light foods. Sugar is very clear for me. I, I haven't had sugar in almost 12 years in any form. Sugar, honey, agave. I read the labels on everything in zero ingredients anywhere on anything. But there are foods that, you know, I can have once in a while, or at least that's the lie that I tell myself. And, um, you know, there's things like chips or, or, you know, I can have dates or certain things. And those are the things that they don't trigger me the same as sugar, but over time, they take me down. And I'm obsessing about them and I'm thinking about them. And, you know, that for me is where entire abstinence I have to get really clear and I get clear with the help of recovered sponsor and really paying attention to how I feel in my body. When do I turn to those foods? And, um, I, I listened to a talk by, I think Ruth, Ruth G. I think is her, her initial, um, she's one of the special editions that really helped me understand it better. But, that for me is the key is it's not the big idea foods that are clear clear but the ones that kind of come in sideways and they can be really seductive they don't take me down fast but they take me down slowly over time and um that for me is entire abstinence making sure that i'm really clear on what those foods are and with that i'll pass thank you
0: thank you julie and craig uh, you'll have to hang out till the next hour And that's Ruth M. has a special edition. It is a powerful one on tire abstinence. So thank you to everybody who shared. And thank you, Team Friday, for January. uh, Thanks for all your service and all you guys for showing up. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, January 26, 2024, in case you all don't know what day it is, which I never do, uh, 21075, 21075. So we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Judith S.P., will you please read our vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
1: Thank you, Kelly. My pleasure, and thank you, everyone, for your shares today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.